Thanks so much for joining us and for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. Our hope as you listen in is that you might encounter Jesus, hear and receive his love, and be encouraged and empowered by his spirit to be and bring life and love to one another and to the other in your world. If you would like to get in touch with us or keep up to date with what's happening in and through the life of Steeple Church, please jump onto our website at steeplechurch.com.au or follow us on the socials via Facebook or Instagram at steeple.church. We're looking forward to meeting you one day soon, but in the meantime, enjoy the message. Bless your fam. Good morning, everyone. My name is Daniel. Thank you so much for being here this morning. If we haven't met before, it's great to meet you once again. Um, I was having a real sense in worship that the word came to mind, uh, recalibrate. Um, and the message that I'm going to share this morning to me is one of a, a bit of a recalibration uh, for us today. Pastor Corey has actually been sharing in the last couple of weeks around Future Sunday, Commitment Sunday, and been talking about the fact that God is building two buildings. One is the physical building that we stand in today, and one is the building of his church, his people. And today, I'm going to continue that theme, and we, uh, Pastor Corey has asked me to speak about this theme of generous commitment. What does it mean to be a church of generous commitment? But as we approach the scriptures today, I just want to mention that some of the talk today I'm going to do is very much steeple-focused and steeple-centric. We're in that kind of family space this morning. But if you're visiting, I just want to encourage you, this, this message is absolutely for you as well. There are some rich theological truths we're going to discuss. So as we approach, you just join me in prayer right now that we could pray and just actually just posture ourselves to hear from God. I'm so expectant that he's going to speak this morning. Would you just join me in prayer? Father God, I thank you so much that your presence is here. Holy Spirit, would you just make us aware of your voice this morning. We believe that you're speaking, God. Will you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, soft hearts to be changed and transformed by your, the power of your spirit this morning. God, we want to actually encounter you. We want to hear your word. But God, most of all, we want to actually be transformed to be more like Jesus. Would you bless this time in your name? Amen. I was thinking about this topic of, of commitment and I instantly thought about footy. I'm a diehard Carlton man. I love the blues. That is the hill I will die on. And I was thinking about how commitment is a very... <laughs> we'll pray for you at the end of the service. I saw that thumbs down. Um, commitment is one of those things where everyone has a different opinion on what commitment is. And I was thinking about how some footy teams, when they are um, down on the bottom, they are like rock bottom of the ladder forever. There are some fans that are there every week. They're buying memberships and they say they're committed. But as that team gets better and better and better and becomes successful, out of the woodwork, everyone's committed to that team. There are all these extra supporters. There are people that weren't there when it was rainy and cold. There are people that weren't fighting for their team at the water cooler at work. And they would both say they're committed. One would say, you weren't committed. Where were you when we were at the bottom? The other would say, I was here the whole time. And I think with church, our understanding of commitment also varies from person to person. To some of us, calling Steeple Church home and then coming maybe once every two months, that's commitment. To others, maybe you come and serve week in, week out. You're here at 8 a.m., you leave at 2 p.m., and you're like, that is what commitment is. Lord, I'm the most committed person. Maybe others, you're part of a connect group weekly, and you just kind of go to church now and again, and you're committed. Maybe you think commitment is coming to church, but connect group, that's, that's too much for me. Whatever it is, if we were to share the microphone around today, I think we would all define what it means to be committed to church very, very differently. We may even debate that. But for me today, I was actually thinking about what did the early church define as commitment? How did the early church understand this concept of generous 
commitment. Mitch, I kind of mentioned it earlier, last night around midnight, I said, Mitch, I want you to hear some of my message. I have no idea if it makes sense. My mind can get caught in the weeds. Like, is this going to actually be clear? And she, she finished hearing me for about 20 minutes, and she's smiling at me, and I'm like, oh, no, what's the feedback going to be? And she's like, oh, I'm going to speak on Acts 2.42 as well. And me, in my own, uh, let's say, prideful way, I said, you're going to steal my thunder. Mitchko, the holy, anointed, reformed, transformed person of God, said, no, the Holy Spirit's speaking to both of us. And so I really believe that today there is a message for us as a church community. It's not just hyping up. Honestly and truly, this message has been in my heart since the moment I knew I had to preach. Mitchko and I didn't even compare notes. And so I'm going to expand and build on what she was sharing around our time of offering today. So the question today is, how did the early churches understand commitment? And we're just going to look at this, this scripture here in Acts 2, 42 to 47. And you would have heard it before. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with gladness and sea hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And Scripture paints this beautiful, beautiful picture of the early church. They were sharing everything they had. They sold their possessions. They gave to those who need those in need. They went to the temple each day. They met in homes. They ate together. Those meals were characterized by joy and generosity. It's like going to the Tesserero house. Praise the Lord. They saw the miraculous happen. They saw new believers being saved, as Mitchko said. And we would say that this looks like a committed church. I would, I would, I would hesitantly guess, we'd probably agree that this is a committed church. But a lot of what they did isn't prescriptive for us today. I don't personally feel called in this moment of my life to sell everything I own and give it to some of you guys. No offense, love you all. We don't actually go to a temple anymore and have prayer throughout the day many, many times. And so not all of it is just we just copy and paste and do it today. We contextualize and adapt what the early church did to, to, to fit where we are as a church now in God's timeline. So what do we learn from the early church? How do we understand commitment for us by looking at this example? And I just want to kind of hone in on the first verse of this passage, Acts 2.42, the first one. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, number one, to fellowship, two, the breaking of bread, three, and fourthly, to prayer. See, I think we have a pretty good understanding of three of the four of these. For example... When they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, they would hear from and listen to the 12 apostles. They would study the scriptures. They knew what it was. Today, we come to church, we listen to sermons, maybe you listen to podcasts, maybe you read books on Christianity, maybe you're part of a connect group and you get into the Bible study. It's awesome. We understand how we translate the apostles' teaching. Breaking of bread. They would gather together for meals. They would share communion. They met in homes. And we understand what it means to be people of hospitality. We've been talking about that for about three, four years now. Opening our homes to people, showing love, sharing them with godly hospitality and generosity. We understand that. We even do communion now in a different way through the symbolism on a Sunday morning. We understand what prayer is. They would gather in the temple at different times. They, they, They continued what they were doing from Judaism. And we would say, you know, we pray corporately as a church throughout the week. We pray on Sundays together. We pray in connect groups. We pray with our families, with our friends, with our, our partners. And so we kind of have a pretty good understanding. We've kind of adapted. We haven't forsaken these practices. We have a modern approach. I'm not forsaking it. But the fourth one, fellowship, is what I want to hone in today. I think fellowship is the, the area that we kind of gloss over a bit. 
we kind of like, I'm not sure if you're like me, when you read the same thing about a hundred times, you're kind of like, yeah, I get that. Fellowship, sweet, no worries. See, I think today, for us to understand what it means to be people of generous commitment, we need to understand what true fellowship is. True biblical fellowship. It goes so much deeper than the 10 minutes at coffee. How's your week going? Sweet, high five, I'm out of here. Fellowship is so much more than that. It actually comes from this term throughout the New Testament called koinonia. Koinonia. This word is translated different ways. Some, some, uh, sometimes it's translated as fellowship. Sometimes it's translated as communion, sharing, participation. And it conveys this sense of commonality, this togetherness, solidarity and responsibility, collectively and individually. And one, one um, example that demonstrates this is Paul's writing to the church. Um, oh, excuse me, I've lost my notes. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 to 6, when he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership, which is the word koinonia again, in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, Paul was a missionary to the Gentiles, and he's thanking them for their koinonia. They actually gave financially, in this, this example, that he would actually be able to go on and share the gospel, not worrying about the financial aspect. They were generous. It's one example of how koinonia has this kind of mutual responsibility, this shared participation, this, this, this kind of idea that we have a part to play. And we see it in the early Acts church, as you read before. They, they shared all things they had in common. They distributed to those in need. They understood that they had a part to play as the early church. And I was thinking about, like, hey, you know what? Sometimes I read the Bible and I think that these people are different because it's in the Bible, so they are like a different caliber to us. But God's church is still his church. There's no such thing as a super Christian. There's no, like, Marvel series on super Christians and they have a special power that we don't. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His spirit is alive and in us. And when we gather, it is the same. So how and why? Why were they able to express this fellowship so dearly? Why were they able to be so sacrificial? Why were they able to be so characterised by love and um, hospitality? Why were they so loving? Why was the early church seemingly so committed? It's because they had fellowship first with Christ and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Paul writes this about how this church in Corinth was called to be in fellowship with Christ. This is expanded to us, you and me today. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship, into koinonia with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're a believer in God, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have fellowship with him. And that opens us up to not only sharing in his blessings from knowing him, from experiencing the fruit of the spirit, the love, joy, peace, relationship with him, but it also opens us up to sharing in his suffering. Who knows, being a Christian isn't just a highway of just like non-stop favour, bank balance increases, all your problems melt away. Being a Christian actually opens us up to being people who serve God and actually open ourselves up to a facing opposition, paying a price, paying a cost to being the people of God, to being a part of his church. And they understood that. And Paul typifies his attitude. He says this to the church in Philippians. He says this, I gave up all the inferior stuff his Jewish privilege and his Roman status, so I could know Christ personally, experience 
his resurrection power, be a koinonia in his suffering, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. Christianity and being in fellowship with Jesus opens us up to blessing, but also we're united with him in his suffering. It's part of the reason we do communion, also related to koinonia. The other side of this fellowship is that generous commitment is based on fellowship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit side, Paul writes this to the church in Philippi, therefore if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common koinonia in the spirit, translated sharing, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. See, out of fellowship with Christ and his spirit, there is a united church. We see a church that's like-minded, having the same love, being of one mind and spirit, humbly putting the interests of others above themselves. See, there's an outflow. Mitchko mentioned the word earlier. There's an outflow that the early church understood that being in relationship with Christ, being in relationship with the Holy Spirit, resulted, oh, sorry, I should say fellowship, resulted in fellowship with others, the church at large. If we're going to be people of generous commitment as a church, we've got to understand that fellowship is so much greater than just high fives. Fellowship with Christ, fellowship with the Spirit, has to result in fellowship with the whole body. This truth is not just for them. It doesn't exist in the pages of 2,000 years ago. This truth is for us. And and you may participate in learning. Maybe you read the Bible like 24-7. Maybe you share meals. You open your home up weekly to people. That's amazing. Maybe you pray daily. You get up at 5 a.m. God bless you. Morning people. I know this is the secondary crowd. This is the second service. So I know like people here appreciate sleep. So maybe you pray at night or during the day or pray without ceasing. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt there. But maybe you engage in those things, the three of the four, but do you engage in true koinonia? Do you engage in true fellowship with the body? Out of the outflow of fellowship with Jesus and his spirit. And I was thinking about this. In my own life, there's been times for holding back, holding back my fellowship in the different churches I've been a part of. And I think there are a couple of areas. Maybe you identify with this. One of the areas that we hold back is that we kind of wait for the perfect church. We're waiting for everything to be just right, and then I'm going to step into being generously committed. I'm going to step into fellowship. For example, people might say, hey, when the pastor stops spending so much money on their sneakers, I'm going to start giving. Everyone's looking at my shoes. Don't worry. I go to Medifo South Wharf. Great deal. Great place. <laughs> when, maybe some people say, when the preaching gets more solid, then I'll attend more regularly. When the music gets better... I'll join the worship team. When the cool people go to connect group regularly, then I'm going to actually start attending. When the pastor takes me out for coffee, gives me his attention, I'll actually start taking church seriously. When I get noticed more by others, then I'll start investing in people. When the outreach people group of this church is for people that I care about, the people I think are worthy, then maybe I'll start thinking about getting involved. Sound familiar? Charles Spurgeon says this, If I'd never joined a church till I'd found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, 
I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. Let me encourage you, don't get caught up waiting for the perfect church. It doesn't exist. But you have a part to play in making this church what God is calling it to be. The other thing I think we do is we kind of individualise our faith. We kind of hold back from fellowship. We, we turn Christianity just me and God. It's just me and my quiet time, just me and him, just me and my study. And we kind of forsake the, the fellowship side. We kind of go, ah, oh, that's like an added bonus. It's like an added extra. I, mean, I got the burger with God and that's the fries. I don't really need that. We think we're on like a spiritual church diet. But I, I just want to encourage you. We're all called to fellowship because we're in fellowship with Christ and his spirit first. We can't negate that fact. John Wesley said, Christianity is essentially a social religion. To turn it into a solitary religion is indeed to destroy it. Christianity, being a part of his church, is about all of us, not just individually. The third thing I think we do is when it comes to fellowship, we don't want to pay the price. We don't want to forsake our lifestyle. The government's given me 20% off to go to the, to, to the country this weekend. Oh, there's a, there's a voucher to go and spend my time away. And who cares about church? It's just a thing. It's a thing I do. We want to have it our way. We don't want engaging in church to cost us our finances. We don't want engaging in church to cost me my time, my energy, my effort. We don't want to spend time with those people who go to that church because they're not our inner circle. They're not, they're not our crew. They don't know us. How do you identify with that? The fourth thing is sometimes we hold back from engaging in fellowship because we think, I'm not going to be here for long, so I'm just not going to engage. I'm going to pull back. I was sharing to the first service. When Michiko and I were in Canada, I chased her to go and marry her, and it worked, thank the Lord. But when we were there, we were genuinely, desperately searching for a church for seven months. I reckon we saw the entire landscape of Vancouver churches. It was unbelievable. It was like the church tour of church tours. I was working a job that had, like, I had so much free time. I, had, I was three quarters of the way through my, my Bible college. I, I, I felt like I had stuff to bring and share, and we couldn't find the right church. We were asking God, and he just said, no, 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 no. And then one day, miraculously, we, we stumbled upon a church, and we knew we only had a limited time left in the country. We had eight months. That was it. And we got to be involved heavily um, with the team and, 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 and serve in different ways. And to this day, the richness of that commitment of being engaged in fellowship is a blessing with us right now. Let me encourage you, if God has called you to Steeple Church in this season, so great. You have a part to play. Whether you're here today and gone tomorrow, you're going to be a lifer for the next 30 years, praise God. Man, don't let it hold you back from true fellowship. I was thinking as well about, I didn't share this in the, the first service, you get the bonus extra of me waking up. We're in a church called Steeple Church. We're in a building where right now above us is a steeple. I was reading a bit about steeples, Corey. I was reading about steeples. And if this is wrong, sorry, kind of. (laughs) Steeples, by design, were made that people would look up and direct their attention to the heavens, to God. And we're in a church called Steeple Church. You were praying earlier about being a city on a hill. Man, if we're going to actually be a a church that's called Steeple Church, we've got to engage in fellowship. We've got to recognise we have a part to play. If we're going to be people of generous commitment, we need to actually say, Lord, what is my part to play? I want to engage in fellowship because I'm already in fellowship with you. We want our community to know Jesus desperately. If our community doesn't know him, if our community doesn't know what's going on here, man, we're not playing our part. 
But it only happens when we engage and say, God, this, this church isn't perfect, but I have a part to play. I'm called to fellowship because I know you placed me here. Would you guide me in that? The question we're asking today really is, what is your next step with Steeple? And this is where we get to the family talk. You can still tune in if, you, if you're visiting this morning. What is your next step? Is your next step saying, you know what, line in the sand, I'm actually going to make Sundays a regular thing. That's what commitment is. I'm going to commit. Is it, hey, I'm going to join a connect group. I'm going to invest in people who are on my stage of life and, and look at the word together and actually live life together. Is it saying, you know what, I actually have a gift of serving. I can actually open doors and say hello and join the host team. Maybe you want to join what we're doing as the church outward. Maybe you say, you know, I do have a passion for those who are marginalised, those in the community that need to, to know the church cares and God loves them and engage with servants, community housing and, and advocacy groups like Common Grace. Maybe it means that you actually take that next step into what God has placed in your heart. Let me encourage you that if you have a, a calling to be in this church, you have a gift to bring to the table. Yeah. You have a gift. It's not for later, it's for now, because he called you. What does commitment look like to you? What is your next step in this community? We're going to actually have a little, (laughs) we'll go with Booth this time, set up um, opposite the coffee in the other room where you can actually talk to Naomi. Maybe you want to get involved in kids. There's the plug. And youth. (sighs) How could I, it's how you're getting old. Um, kids and youth, maybe you want to talk to Naomi and say, you know what, I actually have a passion for young people in this area or this church. Maybe you want to speak to Corey and say, you know what, Corey, what part can I play? Here's what I have. Here's what I can bring. We will find your fit. It's not just to, to, to say we're doing our job, but it's to actually say, God, hey, we're here. What is my part to play in this body? If we're going to be people of generous commitment, we have to understand that fellowship is now. We're called to fellowship with each other fellowship with that community, just like the early church. It's going to look different for all of us, but if you're in fellowship with Jesus and his spirit, you have fellowship with us. I'm just going to pray this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I'm going to pray. If you're, if you're hearing this message and you're like, you know what? I want to engage in fellowship, but fellowship begins first with being in fellowship with Jesus. And you're kind of like, you know who Jesus is, but you've kind of been away from that. You've kind of not really been in in communion with him, not really engaging in life with him. And you want to recalibrate today. You want to kind of say, Lord, I want to align with where you have me. I want to be in deeper relationship with you once again. Would you just raise your hand? And we're just going to pray um, together. Or maybe you want to be in fellowship for the first time with Jesus. Just raise your hand and we'll pray. And the second group of people today, maybe you're hearing this message. I'm going to pray for us all. And you're saying, Lord, would you share me what my next step is? Would you move me? into stepping out in boldness, realising that I have a part to play. Maybe there's something on your heart right now and there's a, there's a block that's holding you back. Maybe there's like a, I want to do this, but I can't. Or I want to do this, but I'm not good enough. I want to do this, but, 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 but. And you just want to say, Lord, use me. I think that's for all of us today. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, I thank you so much that we are called to be in fellowship with you, Jesus. I thank you so much that out of that fellowship we experience blessing, that we unite with you in your suffering. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we are in fellowship with you and that we have a part to play in the body of Christ at Steeple Church. Lord, would you just give us the faith to trust you, the boldness to take the next step, the heart to serve you in any way we can, 
to play our part, to engage in fellowship, to be a people of generous commitment, to be a church that is seen as the steeple on the corner, that people would see us and see you. Lord, we don't want to leave this message and just leave and, and just make it another Sunday and just, and just bail. But God, would you just impress on our hearts right now the areas that we need to take the next step. We thank you so much, God, for your presence and the fact that you call us to be a part of what you're doing in your name. Thanks again for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged as you listen in. As I said at the top of the podcast, we loved having and hosting you in this way, but we'd love to hear from you and pray for you. So please drop us a line via our website or better yet, if you're local to Melbourne, drop in on one of our Sunday gatherings, 10am every Sunday at 208 Whitehorse Road, Baldwin. Peace and love, friends. Have a great week.